Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host, Bill Bannon, and today we'll be considering the evolution of the workforce wellness space with Virgin Pulse CEO David Osborne and Rajiv Kumar, Chief Medical Officer and President of the Virgin Pulse Institute. David Osborne is a seasoned business technology leader with more than 20 years experience in global sales operations, transformation planning, execution and M&A. He brings a deep experience in operations, strategic growth and executive management, plus a proven record of helping organizations successfully integrate, operationalize and scale their businesses. As CEO of Virgin Pulse, Dave is responsible for streamlining, optimizing and scaling the company as they continue its aggressive growth strategy and solidify their position as the largest workforce wellbeing company in the world. Rajiv Kumar serves as the Chief Medical Officer and President of Virgin Pulse Institute, which provides Virgin Pulse clients with cutting-edge value on investment studies and promotes research on health, wellbeing and employee engagement. Dr. Kumar's responsibilities also include overseeing the Virgin Pulse Science Advisory Board and the organization's analytics team. He joined Virgin Pulse in 2016, following the company's acquisition of ShapeUp, an employee wellbeing company that he founded back in 2006. Rajiv and Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. So firstly, please introduce yourselves. Tell our listeners about your career backgrounds and roles at Virgin Pulse. Uh, Dave, would you like to go first? Sure. Dave Osborne, CEO of Virgin Pulse. Uh, Been here for about three years. Uh, My career is slightly varied. I've been an operator in software companies for an extended period of time. And as well, I've spent about three or four years in private equity as an operator, uh, helping them buy, uh, integrate, and transform um, assets that they acquire and so forth. So um, I worked for the private equity firm that owned Virgin Pulse about three years ago. And and uh, when I stumbled across the, the the company and they had just done two acquisitions, it looked like an opportunity to jump back into the industry and, and out of private equity. And so they tapped me on the shoulder to join and, and help do the integration. And I loved it so much, I just kind of stayed. And then here we are three years later and um, you know, we've done seven acquisitions since I started. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And, and Rajiv? Yeah, so, hey, I'm Dr. Rajiv Kumar. I am the Chief Medical Officer and President of the Virgin Pulse Institute. And I have been at the company now for uh, going on 14 years. Uh, I started originally with a company called ShapeUp that was focused on leveraging social connections to improve uh, employee well-being and that company three years ago was acquired by Virgin Pulse, which is how I got here. Um, I started that company while I was in medical school when I became very interested in prevention and behavior change and the power of technology to really transform the health of large populations. And really, that's what we do today at Virgin Pulse. And so uh, I've been at this for uh, over a decade now and uh, loving every minute of it. Perfect. Thank you. So let's now jump into the details, chaps. Uh, Dave. How has the workplace wellness space evolved over the last few years? And what do you mean by well-being programs shifting from top down to bottom up? Yeah, sure. I think um, I think organizations view uh, well-being and wellness as way more strategic than they used to. Uh, and by that, I mean, it used to be, you know, do your do your health assessment and, and your, in your biometric screening, know your numbers, and we'll try and We'll give you 500 bucks to do that. And we'll try and throw some programs at you to, to help you. 
uh, what we found is it's really become uh, very strategic. We know that we know that healthy people show up for work happier and, and re ready to perform at their peak, and they're they're more engaged in the workplace now. Um, they uh, they're more promotable. Uh, we we've seen quantifiable results that we're actually reducing medical costs. So uh, companies are kind of starting to get it and. And the term top up and bottom or sorry, top down and bottom up, it's really about this is less about employers driving programs. It's more about employees wanting programs, right? And, and employees that want programs that are personalized for them. Um, so that's really kind of what we mean. It, it has evolved from, you know, this kind of wellness 1.0 of know your numbers to, you know, a more fully based well-being program that that deals with you know nutrition and sleep and activity and financial wellness and mental resilience and so forth so all the components of uh, of well-being and, and the other thing that we're starting to see is because there's so many well-being companies out there now or point solutions there's somewhere along the lines of 900 and something i think um, a lot of companies are looking for a platform like virgin pulse to tie some of these point solutions together again still on that this this one platform so so we're really kind of driving towards total health engagement or we, what we call kind of home base for health that's got encompasses a little bit of everything get the and the you know the, bill the last thing i'll say is it it's really become personalized and preventative right it's it's less about it's less about i've got a problem come and fix me it's more about you know i'm i'm relatively i can be relatively healthy and let's prevent me not being healthy or if i do have if i am medium or high risk with things like any kind of chronic condition like heart disease or diabetes, how do we offer content and programs and coaching and services to, to, to get people off what we call the healthcare merry-go-round, keep them out of the doctor and, and you know prevent them from going back. So that's really kind of a long answer to your question. That's kind of how it's evolved. Okay, thank you very much. So I wanna, I wanna sort of delve a bit more into, uh, you mentioned that you've got the data to back this up. So um, uh, Rajiv, how, how can an, an employer quantitatively measure if a company's well-being and wellness program actually worked what, what are the typical metrics for employee well-being how can a ceo justify the investment in a wellness program and can you can you give any examples of of uh, of, of the numbers here uh, that you guys have seen so this is an area where there's been a lot of i think innovation over the past few years you know i think historically employers found it challenging to measure the outcomes and, and to really prove the return on investment. And I think leveraging big data, uh, leveraging uh, new technologies, and really kind of broadening the story, we've been able to really help uh, employers make the business case for employee well-being. So we use a model called value on investment. And value on investment is a way to look at a holistic impact of employee well-being on a population. And so we're looking at kind of four key areas within a value on investment framework. Um, the first is engagement and um, really behavior change. So we're looking at metrics like how many people sign up, uh, how many of them stay active with the program, how long do they use it, how many times a day, so forth. Uh, we're looking at metrics like physical activity, sleep, uh, nutrition, uh, and so forth, right? So, so all the kind of behavior change uh, metrics that, that we care about, that we want to influence in our population. We're looking at those at sort of in a longitudinal fashion over time. Uh, then next we look at what we call health outcomes, and that's really where we start to see a shift in body mass index, uh, blood pressure, 
uh, we might see uh, cholesterol come down and so forth. So we're looking at actual biometrics that we're collecting in a validated fashion. Um, we're also doing health risk assessments so we can look at health risk shift over time. Um, then the two other areas that we look at, you know, and one is very much a, a kind of a U.S. centric um, uh, kind of metric, but we look at medical and pharmaceutical claims reduction, right? So for our U.S.-based self-insured customers, they're very interested in saving money on healthcare costs. So we can actually show them for the people who are participating um, versus those that are not, what do their healthcare costs look like over time? And then finally, we, we look at a variety of performance and uh, productivity metrics. So everything from um, you know uh, product, uh, uh, productivity around like number of widgets produced. Uh, we look at attrition, retention. Uh, we look at presenteeism. We look at financial performance of the business. You know we look at uh, employee engagement scores. There's a whole host of kind of metrics in performance and productivity that we measure and uh, that we report back to our customers as well. And we see significant improvements across that whole stack of metrics that I just described. I mean, we see 30% increase in uh, daily physical activity. Uh, we see that on average, participants lose about seven pounds and lower their body mass index by one point. Uh, we see anywhere from five to 20% reduction in healthcare costs year over year uh, for those employees that actively participate. Uh, and we see a significant reduction in attrition as well. Uh, for those employees who are actively engaged. So that gives you a sense, I hope, of, of just kind of the, the breadth of metrics that we're looking at and the, and the type of results that we do see from, from this program. Rajiv, just staying with you again for a moment, what are, what are some of the biggest mistakes that employers make in regards to encouraging their employees to live healthier lives? I think one of the biggest mistakes that employers make is they, they think a program alone or a software alone will solve all of their problems. Uh, but in reality, they have to start with a more strategic approach. Um, they need to um, have a strategy. Uh, they need to have a culture that is conducive to and supportive of uh, employee well-being. They have to have senior leadership involvement and engagement and support. And they have to build it into the infrastructure, build it into their benefits design, build it into the, the built environment. Uh, and, you know, So they have to sort of put all those pieces in place and then a technology like Virgin Pulse can come in and, and be the amplifier and, and facilitate employee well-being, connect employees, make it easy to track, uh, provide educational you know, materials you know, through digital means, uh, and, and really make it fun and, and make it scalable. So that, that's one place I think some people, you know, they don't put in the, the, the necessary foundation first before they um, start to try to roll out programs and technologies. Um, I also think that, you know, employers kind of sometimes focus too much on either intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation, and they don't realize that you need both. And so, you know, you can't have a successful well-being program, at least from our data, without any type of financial incentive. Um, it does require, if you want to get large percentages of people to participate and stay engaged, you have to have some, some financial motivation for them. However, you also have to tap into their intrinsic motivation, uh, and that goes to, you know, Dave's point about making the program personalized, letting people choose what they want to do, and then also making it social so that they can tap into friendly competition and peer support uh, to keep them motivated over time. So I think finding that right balance is really important and, and something that not a lot of companies do well. So Dave, we, uh, we're, we're lucky here at the HR Gazette that the HR Chat Show has a wide variety of listeners from the world of HR and operations and talent and, and elsewhere, and from all different size companies as well. So 
In your opinion, how, how can companies with limited resources integrate workforce wellness into their day-to-day activities? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I mean, the platform is super flexible and easy to 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 roll out into any size of an organization. And, and we sell into Fortune 500. We have about 22% of the Fortune 500, but we also sell into a ton of small and mid-market businesses as well. So having a platform that's super easy to roll out, I think it is, is one. But there's other things that they can do that's kind of non-platform related, right? They can you know, have standing desks, they can uh, take walking breaks or meetings that that we walk around the building. For example, at Virgin Falls, we'll do walking meetings versus sitting in a boardroom. Um, you can encourage your employees to take time for physical activity. Um, you can do even simple things like, you know, don't have junk food in, in your cafeteria, have a more healthier options, right? Um, allow preventative care appointments during work hours. So there's a bunch of things that, that you can do that, that um, really do not require manpower, if you will. Um, but I think that first and foremost, just going back to having a platform that is very flexible, very personal, uh, very easy to integrate. And yeah, you know, you might need a, a wellness champion or an executive that, that, that you know, lead from example, like uh, that most great CEOs and CFOs and so forth do. And uh, you start there and I think you're in good shape. Dave, you argue that workplace wellness programs are not a nice to have. They are a must have for companies. Please now make the business case and suggest from uh, from what budget companies should invest in these initiatives. And should the responsibility for workplace wellness be under HR or under employee benefits or under the CFO or maybe under the chief medical officer? Sure. And we, by the way, we've seen it under various, various of those titles, by the way, I think where, wherever it sits under, it's, it's gotta be somebody who champions it. I think that's the key important part there, right? Whether it's benefits, HR, CFO, et cetera. Um, you know, Rajiv talked a lot about the outcomes uh, and the value on investment. You know, I'll I'll kind of reiterate a few of them, right? If we're seeing a tremendous amount of less attrition in the organization and there's a war for talent right now, as you, as you know, Keeping people is just as important as hiring great ones. So um, if our platform can reduce your attrition by X percent, then then that kind of pays for itself. Um, if we can reduce medical costs, we can show that hard ROI. Um, that is that is critically important to a CFO and a CEO. And if we can show that members are sleeping more and there's less accidents at work, and we show that members are more physically active, um, and we, we you know. They're losing weight and, and they're, they're, we're, your population is going from high risk to medium risk or medium risk to low risk. Um, those are really important things. And that is that to me is not a nice to have. That is a, that is a must have for companies. It's strategic. It's critically important. And it's it's a quantifiable money saving platform. Um, and then there's all the things that we've talked about as far as engagement and doing engagement surveys and productivity and promotability and uh, whether you believe those or not, um, we've been looking at this for 14 years, and and we see uh, every year we see we see that as as a positive, and we can we can show it. So um, those are some of the reasons why you know in our opinion it is absolutely not a nice to have, and it and it's a must have, and um, we use it. We're obviously power user Virgin Pulse, and we're pretty excited about it. Now, Rajiv, I, I understand that uh, Virgin Pulse was a sponsor of author Dan. Schubel's research that found that digital tools such as mobile phones and email can lead to social isolation. Uh, so how can companies embrace digital tools for workplace wellness without leading their employers to that isolation? And, and this is coming, by the way, from someone who spends way too much time on their mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, likewise. Um, you know, I think, you know, this is obviously something, you know, important that we have to keep in mind. 
um, there is sort of a, a social isolation epidemic and a loneliness epidemic that we see across the world. Um, what's interesting about our well-being solution is we've designed it not to be a place where people go and spend a lot of time in the technology on their own, but really to be a tool that, that facilitates offline activity, right? So they come to our platform and, and we help them to set goals, track their progress and motivate them. But then they, the things we want them to do are not on the app. We want them to go out and, you know, exercise and eat a healthy lunch and meditate and so forth. And so it's not about kind of isolating people. It's about giving them tools to empower them in their personal journey. And then, of course, we, we use the platform to connect them to, to their friends, their family, and so forth. And so it's not just about doing it alone offline. It's about doing it with your, your coworkers, with your, your family, and, and so forth. And we see that, absolutely. You know, people have the ability to invite their friends and family onto the application and, and sort of compete with them and share with them. Um, a big part of what drives engagement in our solution is uh, team challenges, where you can invite people to be on your team and then you can compete against other teams. And, you know, those social features are probably the most popular functionality in the application. So I, I think it's really about the intentionality by which you design these types of solutions. Um, I think there are platforms that kind of are designed to kind of suck people in and, and keep them in the platform. And that's where I think they can become very isolated. Um, but ours is designed um, to simply be a tool to facilitate in, you know, real life interactions. And, and we know that health is social. And so we have to get people working together if we don't want any chance of succeeding at transforming the health of populations. Awesome. Thank you. So you're both uh, super important, successful employees at Virgin Pulse, but employees nonetheless. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you both uh, now just a little bit about how how working at a, com- a company like Virgin Pulse has, has affected your own personal fitness and health regimen. And how do you both keep healthy while managing a global enterprise? <laughs> you want me to start, Rajiv? Sure. So, you know, this is a constant challenge, you know, uh, you know, Dave and I both travel a lot. And so, you know, we spend time on airplanes and hotels and, you know, sleep is interrupted, uh, time zone shifts, uh, challenges finding healthy food on the go. So it's not easy. You know, I think technology has become, you know, really a godsend, you know, a tool to remind you to, to you know, hold you accountable uh, to get peer support and um, to be able to track what you're doing. Uh, so, you know, I find the, the Virgin Pulse application, you know, to be perfect for me. Everywhere I go, you know, I can log in and I can get healthy tips. I can have my coworkers kind of supporting me. I have financial motivation. I want to get my points and earn my financial rewards. And so I make sure that I kind of squeeze in physical activity and I get to the hotel gym and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, I sleep enough hours and, and I follow my sleep hygiene and, and all of that. So it really is about awareness. It's about goal setting. It's about tracking of progress. And then it's about having, you know, that accountability and the feedback loops, you know, to keep me to keep me honest and, and keep me on track. And so I, I leverage, you know, many different facets of our technology platform, including third party partners that we have integrated um, such as Will for, for mindfulness and meditation and Zapongo for nutrition tracking and healthy recipes. All of that I, I leverage and, and build into my daily routine. And it's a big part of why I've been able to stay healthy, you know, through, uh, through lots of stress and lots of travel. <laughs> At this point, I'd like to say ditto, but I'll try and, uh, I'll try and add to that because uh, that was pretty, uh, pretty robust. But a- again, to, to Rajiv's point, 
for me, just kind of starting off with knowing where I sit from a health risk assessment. I, I've always felt I've been in, in pretty decent shape, but what, and I've never really paid attention to, to any outcome of a physical exam, for example. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, I started to realize that, you know, I was not the same weight that I've been um, for the last 10 years because to, to reduce point, you're traveling, you're eating on the road all the time and trying to find, you know, healthy meals is tough. Um, when you're running through an airport, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that I have not always just run past McDonald's. I've sometimes stopped and jumped in there. Um, but I think for, for me, it's just really using the platform to specifically target certain areas um, that are uh, important to you at that particular time. So, uh, for example, right now, it, it just with uh, with everything that we're going on, I found that I'm not sleeping at all. Um, so I'm really kind of track my sleep uh, as well as doing more meditation, which kind of calms me down and helps you sleep actually. So um, I managed to lose 10 pounds, which is which is fantastic. Um, and just you know, it, again, it's, it's a very personalized platform. So whatever you kind of feel like you need to focus on at that particular time. Um, you switch gears and, and start to focus on it. And uh, to, to Rajiv's point, I'll, I'll echo what he said. I've I've used pretty much every part of that platform, uh, as well as third-party programs like like Will for meditation. So um, it's it's exciting to, to be able to just switch it up depending on where you are in your kind of well-being journey. So we are we're coming towards the end of this interview already, chaps. A last couple of questions for you. Firstly, Dave, big picture uh what's what's your predictions for where employee wellness is going in 2020 and beyond um yeah i think we continue to see uh more innovation uh around advocacy benefit navigation transparency um you know more uh, you know better coaching uh and disease management opportunities this is a you know i said this is a very broken industry that's not going to get fixed at all um, there's no way to fix it. So our, our view is we're just going to innovate on top of it. And, and I think going through and adding to our suite on areas where we can help uh, employees navigate the complexity of um, of this healthcare industry, navigate the, the cost of the healthcare industry. I think that's that's what the industry is asking for. So uh, as the industry leader, we kind of owe it to to them and to ourselves to to make sure that we're uh, innovating on top of this crazy industry and, and making sure we're giving the right tools to everybody to to solve their problems. So uh, I see more innovation around things that are really going to help us kind of solve the complexities of the health. Awesome. And just finally for today, uh, for both of you, uh, how can our listeners connect with each of you and how can they learn more about the awesome work happening over at Virgin Pulse? Rajiv, you want to do a plug for Thrive? Absolutely. We uh, host an annual event. Uh, it's something we pour a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into, and it's really probably, I think, the, the best employee well-being event that happens anywhere in the world. It's called the Thrive Summit. Uh, we're expecting over 1,000 people this year, uh, keynote speakers, including Sir Richard Branson, Dr. David Katz, Dr. Deepak Chopra. Um, we've got Esther Dyson. We've got so many amazing speakers. Uh, it's going to be in New Orleans uh, in May, and um, we would love to uh, love to have your audience attend. And they can learn more at thrivesummit.com, and uh, they can also find us, um, you know, through there as well. They can get to the Virgin Pulse website and and contact me or anybody else at at the company. Wonderful, thank you. And and Dave, how about yourself? How can people connect with you? 
uh, and uh, and get get more of an insight into what you're getting up to. Yeah, I think our, our website is really informative and, and our marketing team does a great job keeping it up to date. We do a ton of kind of podcasts and uh, speaking things with with our science advisory board. But, you know, obviously I'll be at Thrive as well. Um, looking forward to, to getting there. And, and to Rajiv's point, there's going to be it's going to be the biggest one uh, kind of on the planet right now. And um, and of course, you know, I answer every single email that people send me. So that's that's the best way to get all of me. OK, well, that just leaves me to say for today. Dave and Rajiv, thank you very much for being guests on this HR Chat Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.